friends. Welcome to the Skyline Church Podcast. I'm Jonathan Middlebrooks, one of the pastors here at Skyline Church. Skyline is a worshiping community, a disciple-making community, and a generational community. We're committed to seeing revival in our city sparked through the presence of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. These sermons are specific to that purpose and in the context of our unique community. We hope that it might bless you in some way. Enjoy. of our series on revival called God Comes Where He's Wanted. And last week was really fun. And so the Holy Spirit is just stirring so much right now here in this place, and we just want to press in to it. So uh, our hope with this series is that we would stir faith for what is possible, for what is possible here, now in our time, in our place. Um, And we want to create and cultivate this collective heart of longing for Jesus to come. And it's our hope that our church would have this collective one heart cry, one desire, that we would see the Holy Spirit manifest his presence here for his glory, for the sake of his name. And we want to cultivate this longing in our hearts so that it serves as like this holy flare signal that says to Jesus, your bride is aching for you to come near. Like we want to ache and long for him. If he comes where he's wanted, then we want him to know how much we want him. I mean, this, the best picture that I can think of in my own life, I have been married to Ron Crawford for 30 years. And yes, that's worth celebrating. And still, when he is away from me, I long for him. <laughs> it's true. But would we have that kind of heart for Jesus? Like, that's just the fuzziest, blurriest, palest reflection of the heart of the bridegroom for the bride. So would we have that kind of longing for him because he has it infinitely more for us? So that's what we want to do with this series is stir up that longing, stir up hope, stir up faith that he wants to come near to his people. So each week, we are just going to stir this desire through these four things, revival scriptures, revival stories, revival prayers, and revival practices. So we, again, we just want to tell him how much we actually want him to come here, and we want it to be like a collective heart cry. We don't want just the fiery intercessor people who go farther than the rest of us to be the only ones who carry this desire. We want our whole body to just long for him. So, um, our, the first couple of scriptures that we're going to look at today, um, 
One will go to the Old Testament. Ezekiel had this vision. He was a prophet, and he had these wild encounters with the Lord. Um, but if we look in Ezekiel 37, it shows this one encounter that he had with God where he was shown in this vision, um, a picture of him looking over this valley, and it was full of bones. And you may have read this a lot, but it is such a powerful picture of what God does when he comes near and when he breathes on a place or a people. Um, so we're not going to look at the whole thing, but I would encourage you this week to go spend some time on your own with the Lord in the first part of chapter 37 and just ask him to make that come alive for you and what he wants to show you about your own life. Um, but we're going to look at 37 verse 11 through 14. So he's looking at this valley and it's just full of bones. And he's asking the Lord, what, what are you showing me? So starting verse 11, the Lord said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We're cut off. Therefore prophesy to them and say, this is what the, Lord, the Sovereign Lord says. My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you out from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and I bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you and you will live. And I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. So this is what happens when God's spirit breathes on something. The thing comes alive. He opens graves and he lifts us out of death. And he gives us a piece of his very own self. So... The spirit, the presence, the actual essence and being of the one who created galaxies and water and laughter and sunsets infuses a piece of himself into our beings, into our bodies, and we come alive. He says, I'll put my spirit in you and it'll cause you to live. And if that isn't enough, he goes even further and he says, I will also settle you in your own land. So we get to come alive and we get to flourish and then we get to be in this place of settled peace, which is such an extravagant and generous gift of the Father. And when all of that happens, he says, that's your signpost. That's how you know that I've done it. That's how you know I've spoken, because you're alive. When you're alive and not dead, when you're settled and flourishing, that's what you look at and go, the Lord is here. He has moved. He has spoken. He has worked. So that's what we're asking for. We've seen him do that. We've seen him begin to open up graves and bring people out. We've seen healing. We've seen him manifest his presence here. But it's just a taste, and we want more. So that's what we're asking for. So our second scripture for 
just if you're keeping a list, which we would encourage you to hold on, just make a running list of the scriptures that we give you each week and meditate on them. Pray through them. Let them start to burn in your heart and create this cry for him to come. So we're going to look at Acts 19. So this is New Testament, and this is a picture of what happened in an actual city. So the Ezekiel picture is like a metaphor. And this is what happened in an actual place on the earth. So the city of Ephesus, Paul is there, and he's spreading the word about Jesus. Um, So starting in verse 5, on hearing this, is that right? No, sorry. Yes, on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. And then if you jump down a little bit to verse 11, it says, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick, and their illnesses were cured, and evil spirits left them. I mean, I'll have some of that. Like, we want that kind of power. That's what he promises us. He said we'll do greater things, and we have access to the same Holy Spirit. So we want to see him do wild things that are unimaginable, that can only be done by him. And then, so all this is happening in Ephesus, and as you can imagine, word starts spreading. I mean, if somebody touched a handkerchief and got well, you're going to go tell people about that. And if the name of Jesus is what did it, you're going to tell people about that. So this response is what happens in the city. In verse 17, the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Can you imagine if the name of Jesus was held in such high honor in Oklahoma City, what it would be like? Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas, which would equate to like millions of dollars for us today. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. So again, we see God's spirit comes and he breathes on a place and on a people and it changes everything. It turns things upside down. And the way the Holy Spirit came in Ephesus was undeniable. I mean, you could not like it or not agree with where it came from, but you couldn't deny a sick person being made well and people completely changing the way they lived their lives. It was undeniable. They began to speak in other languages that they had not previously learned. Prophecy erupted from them, which is a declaring of the truth of who Jesus is and what he says. Demonic strongholds were broken. People willingly and publicly confessing sin and then just destroying all the trappings of their old life. Can you imagine if there was a gathering in Oklahoma City where people are just bringing all their junk and dumping it on a bonfire? Like totally changing the way they live. Like, I don't want this stuff anymore. It was the way of death. 
Jesus is the way of life. That's what we want. So, okay, just to recap, um, our scriptures, if you're keeping the list, there's last week and this week. So, 2 Chronicles 7.14 and Habakkuk 3.2 were last week. And then Ezekiel 37 and Acts 19. So just let those begin to stir your heart as you're with the Lord in your secret place over the next several days and see what he awakens in you, what kind of cry comes out of you for him to come. So another way we want to stir faith is to tell stories of revivals that have happened in history. And the one we'll talk about today is the Welsh Revival which happened in Wales, which is a tiny little country. It's outlined in red there. Um, In the United Kingdom, it borders England, it's near Ireland. And this happened in 1904, so at the very beginning of the century. This little country in England had actually already been known for revival. It was known as the land of revivals because between 1762 and 1862, there had been 16 documented outstanding moves of God throughout the country, which that is amazing. We want some of that. Um, This particular revival that we'll talk about today was born out of prayer as all revivals are. And some of the key leaders, I just thought this was a fun picture because you can see the actual people. Um, The gentleman here on the far left is a man, a minister named Seth Joshua. And he had prayed for years that God would send an ordinary young man to lead a revival in Wales. So this was the cry of his heart. God, would you send us just an ordinary guy? to lead another move of God in our country. And he asked for someone who had worked either in the coal mines or the fields. And later, God answered that prayer by sending Evan Roberts, who's pictured on the far right, um, a 26-year-old coal miner. And he would become the driving force, like the main catalyst and carrier and leader in this revival. So I just thought it was fun to see the prayer that was birthed and how it was answered. And then another piece of that on the other side of the country, several months before the revival began, Reverend Joseph Jenkins, who's second there, was praying that change would come to all the churches in the area. So he didn't even really specify what he was asking for. He was just like, something needs to change. God, would you come and make a change in our churches? So one Sunday morning in February 1904, he held a prayer meeting for young people. And they were at his church and he asked them to share how they viewed God. And one boy said, Jesus is the light of the world. And the minister said, yes, but what does he mean to you? And silence. So after a long period of silence, a lone girl stood up and said, 
this girl. This is Flory Evans. She stood up and said, if no one else will, then I must say that I do love my Lord Jesus Christ with all my heart. And the Holy Spirit fell on the room when she did that. And hearts began to soften. And young people began to weep. And they would just outwardly declare their love for Jesus. And then this began to happen all throughout Wales. At prayer meetings, the pastor would say, does anybody want to declare their love for Jesus? And the room would begin to just weep and declare love. And at the end of October 1904, so this is months later, they were holding another series of prayer meetings for young people again at this little church in South Wales called Mariah Chapel. That's the outside, and then this inside is actually what they called the schoolroom, and that's where all the prayer meetings took place for the kids, the, young, the youth. Um, you can still go visit this church today, which would be a super fun little field trip, wouldn't it? Um, they would hold these prayer meetings for young people, and Evan Roberts would make these urgent appeals for people to stand and declare their love, to confess their love for Christ. And each night, the presence of the Holy Spirit would just come in such power over and over and over that the prayer meetings began to last like three and four and five o'clock in the morning. And one Sunday night in November... During one of those meetings, he asked everyone to pray the same prayer, which was, send the Holy Spirit now for Jesus Christ's sake. So they did. They all began to just cry out with this prayer, send the Holy Spirit now for Jesus Christ's sake. Send the Holy Spirit now for Jesus Christ's sake. And when they did that, the Holy Spirit would come in such power. One person at one of the meetings recorded it like this. It went from seat to seat. Boys and girls, young men and maidens, some asking in silence, some aloud, some in tears, strong voices, tender voices. I felt the place beginning to be filled, and before the prayer had gone halfway through the chapel, I could hear some brother weeping, sobbing, saying, oh dear, oh dear. On went the prayer, the feeling becoming more intense, the place being filled more and more with the Spirit's presence. So they would pray, like that until the early hours of the morning. And night after night, this chapel became crowded to capacity. And that prayer was repeated over and over. Send the Holy Spirit now for Jesus Christ's sake. Within a month, at least 600 people were saved. 600 people. That's like twice this within a month. 
And Evan Roberts began to dream and to pray for and had a vision from the Lord for 100,000 people to be converted in Wales. And so he began to pray into that. And soon the newspapers began to report on this. So here's just one little clipping. They reported on this revival, which had actually now spread all across Wales. It wasn't just contained at Moriah Chapel. This was all over the place. And the articles would draw people from across the world who were hungry from God for God. Um, one newspaper reported this. The prayer meetings are so crowded that the places of worship are inadequate to contain them. Some last eight hours with no cessation in prayer or singing. From the lips of the humblest and lowliest put forth petitions which thrill the whole being. The spell of earthly things seems to have been broken. In the streets, in the train, in the car, even in public houses, all of this is, in hushed and reverent tones, the theme of conversation. So within six more weeks, 100,000 souls were swept into the kingdom of God. And along with packed churches, there were mass baptisms at rivers. And there were gatherings outdoors. And at the time, the population of Wales was only about a million, but within eight months, 150,000 people had applied for church membership. One historian stated that as many as 250,000 people may have been saved in this one revival. Another source said, Wales talked of little but the revival. Prayer spontaneously overtook political rallies. Football matches had to be postponed. The daily shifts at the coal mines soon started with a word of prayer. Miners would become aware of the presence of God while deep in the mines and fall on their knees in repentance. The mine shafts resonated with the hymns of converted miners who were so taken up into glory. And this was all while doing their hard and intensive labor. Output from the coal mines famously slowed because the horses wouldn't move. Miners converted in the revival no longer kicked or swore at the horses so they didn't know what to do. Judges closed their courtrooms with nothing to judge. Society had become completely transformed and Wales became a God-fearing nation. So again, let your imagination be stirred. What would that be like? If our courtrooms had to shut down, our jails emptied out, crime is gone, and in hushed and reverent tones all across the city, all across the country, people are like, have you heard what Jesus did? He set me free. Oh, have you heard about the one who can bring you to life? You've got to come with me. You've got to meet him. That's what we want. History actually records the Welsh revival as one of the greatest revivals of all time because no other had changed a whole nation in such a short amount of time. 
and then gone on to impact the rest of the world. So even as that one was slowing down, the articles um, and reports were coming to America and um, American papers began to pick it up and spread the word. The Washington Post actually gave a lot of newspaper real estate to headlines like, fervor of religious revival stirs two continents, and throbs of great religious awakening are happening in revival in Wales and London and half a dozen cities in America. And that, that post also confirmed 100,000 people that were saved. Um, and I love this. They said, police found no crime to investigate amid an almost complete realization of the golden rule in all affairs of daily life. Like, that is beautiful. So in, at the end of his life... Um, Evan Roberts wrote, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the essence of revival. The primary condition of revival is therefore that believers should individually know the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So that is what we're praying for here, that each person would have such an experience with the Holy Spirit, with the presence of Jesus, that all of this kind of transformation comes. And so we want to make space in these gatherings as we're going through this series to pray those prayers. So that's what we're going to do. Last week, we entered into this place of just intercession and heart cry for Jesus to show up here. And we're going to do that again this week. So I've, we've asked a few people to come and just kind of voice those prayers for us. So I'm going to have them come up. And Trent and I think Logan are going to play some music with us. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and ask all of you to stand. Just like last week, this is a place and a time for you to enter in along with the ones who are praying on the mic. So they're going to they're going to speak some words out. But I just really encourage you to respond however the Holy Spirit is stirring in you. So if you want to get on your face, do it. If you want to lift your hands, if you want to shout agreement, if you want to come to the altar, if you want to pace, whatever you want to do, whatever the Holy Spirit is stirring in you, respond. And let's go together into this place of asking God to come. We're putting our longings on display because we want him to know how wanted he is here. We want to make space for him. We want to roll out the red carpet and say, Jesus, King of glory, come here. You are welcome here. We love you. So I'm, I'm actually going to open us, and then we're just going to pass the mic. But after, we're just going to go wherever the Holy Spirit leads here. And then we're going to respond in worship. Let whatever the cry is for you bubble up, and then voice it, declare it.
ask for him to come. Let your desperation pour out. Let the raw contents of your heart just be poured out before him like oil this morning. So Holy Spirit, we do invite you. And Father, we agree with that prayer. Would you send the Holy Spirit now for Jesus Christ's sake? For your name and your glory, God, not for ours. Not so we can say we did a cool thing. Would you send the Holy Spirit now for your sake, Jesus? Jesus, you said it's better that you go so that the Holy Spirit can come. And so we welcome you, Holy Spirit, in your fullness. We welcome you to come. And we break off all fear now in the name of Jesus, all distraction. No fear of man gets to stay in this room. Jesus, we say you are worth adoring. You are worth our dignity. You are worth our emotion. You're worth our intellect. You're worth every bit of it. We long for you. Awaken our longings. Come, Lord Jesus. forsaken us. You'll never forsake us. For your love is steadfast and you're patient. So forgive us, your bride, for wanting to be alone. Open our eyes that it would be like the first look at a wedding where we'd see you, our bridegroom, and we'd be overcome with emotion and love. Oh, we love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Jesus. 
I know you, I know you love us. So send us your spirit. Lord, we have a, an overcrowded jail in our skyline, but if you came, we could tear it down. Lord, blessed are the peacemakers, but we want to provoke war. so break our hard hearts so that we sense your nearness you're not far off Jesus I can see you you're at our lampstand right now you're at our lampstand Lord send your spirit here Send your spirit here that it may flow out of this building and invade Classen, the school across the street, Lord, that it would invade our public school system, that it would invade uh, our private school system, Lord, that our Christian schools wouldn't be just catechisms, but they would be filled with people who know you, love you, Jesus, that we wouldn't spend two weeks learning apologetics, for a God we don't even know or love, but Lord, Bible classes would become prayer meetings where we would long for you. Lord, forgive us that we've swept out this intimate relationship for religion because we can control that. No, send your spirit, break our hearts that you can in them and make us beautiful. That's your promise. You're making us beautiful in these days. Lord, would we shine and would we bear your name the way we were always supposed to? And would you receive the glory in all things, Jesus? We pray this in your name. Send your spirit.
Jesus, we've entered your presence with shouts of praise and with thanksgiving. And I just say thank you. I recognize your presence. My heart is pounding with your presence. And my hand shakes because you're here. Thank you. Jesus, what a wild honor for us to be here. What dignity you've crowned us with that we have a place and it's prepared by you. So I acknowledge where we are right now. Abba, your sons and your fathers, the co-heirs of Christ are here. We are in your presence. And so, Lord, by the blood of Jesus, I cry out for mercy. We need mercy. We need your presence. We need your power to break through every hindrance to the full revelation of your love. We need your blood, Jesus, and you've poured it out, so we take it on. Jesus, you are king. And every other love is a broken cistern. So right now I turn away from everything in my life that is not from you, that is not of you, that is not for you. Lord, today I consecrate myself before you. You are holy. Make me holy. Release the spirit of conviction and repentance in this place. Give us the gift of repentance, Lord. We can't muster it up on our own. So, Jesus, today, I break through the stones that have kept my worship muted or contained, distracted or lukewarm, and I cry out, Abba, Father, we need you. We need your presence. I need you, Holy Spirit. Pour out your fullness. You are a good Father, and you know how to give good gifts. You say that if we ask, you'll pour out the Holy Spirit. So, Lord, I'm asking, pour out your Spirit on us. No matter what it takes, Lord, we just want you. Purify our hearts and our hands so that we can see you face to face. Develop in us the character and intimacy it takes to steward your presence, Lord, and unleash heaven in our midst. Would you unleash heaven, Lord? No matter what it looks like and no matter what it sounds like, Lord, I just want you. We've heard the stories today. We've heard of your moves in the past, Lord. Do it here. Do it in our day. Do it in our midst. I long for your glory to fill this place. I long for your fire to fall here. I long to feel the ground shake as you walk in this room, Jesus. So I offer you praise in advance for what you're going to do. And I thank you for pouring out your spirit. Thank you for the tidal wave of revival that's here. It's here. It's here, Jesus. Let it loose. So I want to invite you to join with me. I just got this picture of us breaking our alabaster jars on the feet of Jesus. Um, and Jesus refers to Satan as the prince of the air. So if he's the prince of the air, he has strongholds in the air. But in Psalm 8, 2, the word says that Yahweh has made his strongholds in the praise of infants and children. And you are created in the image of God Almighty. Your voice and my voice carry the frequency and the echo of heaven. So I just invite you to join me in lifting up a shout of praise where we break through the strongholds of darkness and we release the strongholds of heaven. So if you guys want to like uh, stir up the, the music too and just like shred your guitars and um, bang on uh, the piano. Ha! So I just enjoy, invite you all to just join me with a shout of praise and pour out your pour out your praise on the feet of Jesus and break through the alabaster jars. Jesus! 